the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Thursday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that Thursday means it's the date day edition. And so that doesn't change, even with Pastor Ron and Paula on vacation. That means today I get to spend the the day with my beautiful wife, my best friend, May. She's in the studio answering your questions with me today. You want to say hi, babe? Hey, everyone. It's May, uh, Ken's wife, and it's good to be here. What a wonderful day to be here. We're excited. And so this day, we're just going to have fun. We're going to take questions if you have any. So let me give you the phone numbers. Remember, this show is to answer questions about the Bible, questions about how to put the Word of God into practice, doctrinal questions, and and today, because it's the date day edition, questions about anything, relationships, family, uh, whatever we can do to help you fall in love, fall deeper in love with Jesus. So the numbers, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877 that's 877-630-5757. We've got an email address. That's questions at calvarysa.com. Questions, plural, at calvarysa.com. We have a church app, too, if you want to submit questions that way. There is a simple form at the bottom. You click on radio, and then you can submit your question by filling it out, and we'll get it right in our inbox. All right, if you're driving, you can listen Live using the KSLR app, there is a call now button at the top, and then pressing on that will get you connected to the radio station. You can talk to the producer, ask your question to them, or you can just talk live on the air and ask your question with us here. So like I said, it's Thursday, the date, the edition. Pastor Ron and Paula are enjoying their vacation. In the meantime, me and my wife get to fill in both today and next week Next week's date day edition on Thursday. So, sweetie, did you want to talk about anything? You want to? You have anything on your heart you want to start off with? We do have some questions. Well, it's good to be back. We just got back last Saturday from our vacation, and now Pastor Ron and Paula are at their vacation. But we had a good time spending with family, uh, Kent's siblings in San Diego, and my family in the San Francisco Bay Area. So if you're listening, shout out to all of you. Oh, I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I didn't forget, but it just seems like that wasn't that was even further away than just last week. <laughs> so thank you for reminding me. I do want to talk about a couple of things. So since you brought up the, our time with the Lord and our time with the family on vacation, uh, we had a great time, like you said. I, I really enjoyed this one because uh, it wasn't so busy. Uh, what we did is prioritized, at least our time, was 
prioritize with family. We wanted to make sure we were spending as much time as we can with the people that God surrounded us with, and, uh, and God allowed for times for us to do visit places here and there, take the kids to places. But what I really loved, sweetie, about this vacation was um, being able to spend time with, with your dad, with your mom, with your, with your brothers and their families, uh, your cousins, um, and then doing the same in Southern California with, with my family. But one of the things I did mention, I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, but I shared a praise report about your cousin. And uh, I, I want to talk briefly about that because I just love, I love watching the Lord work, especially when it's in family, family members. And so uh, they wouldn't mind me mentioning, but Ray and Alyssa, uh, young cousins who, well, they're not young, but they're, they're in their thirties. <laughs> yes. So I think it's young. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, they're yes, young to us. But isn't it neat to watch them grow up? Your cousins grow up and go through life and all of life's challenges and, and their family in particular had to deal with a lot of things. A a lot of things mm-hmm. that were really heartbreaking. But to watch the Lord work in in each one of them, uh, little by little, over the years, is a beautiful thing. And then Ray being the youngest yes. out of all of them. Uh, it, was, it was like God orchestrated this visit yeah. just for them. And you know what's neat is I think they already knew about us, and we haven't hung out with them for years, but because yeah. they're sisters— are very close to us, and two of them are, actually three of them Mm -hmm. are Christians. Um, He has four sisters. Three of them are definitely uh, walking with the Lord, and I'm so proud about that, proud proud of them. But um, just them hearing about us and knowing that Ken is a pastor and loves the Lord and loves to study the Word, I think that they already... When they came, they knew that what they were going to step into when they came into our little uh, get together. So, it's, isn't that neat? How, like we when we do spend time on vacation to see family, these are people that we we don't see. They don't normally get together there at your parents' house, but it's like the Holy Spirit is moving in their hearts for this time of the year, preparing them just to sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're doing anything special. Uh, they are probably observing our lives like most people do on pictures and videos and social media. But there is no, I mean, we don't talk to them. We, <laughs> yeah, hardly. We, we, now we do. Yeah. <laughs> we have yes. a little group chat now. But, but it, yeah, you're right. It's, it's neat because we walk into that conversation. They come over for dinner. And the next thing you know, their hearts are wide open. They've got questions. They they and they're not bad kids. You know, they're 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 people that like normal people that are doing the best that they can with a family, working, but there's still something missing. There was still something. Yes, missing. there was. Now they're saved. So <laughs> praise God. <laughs> and that, let that be an encouragement because I I know we know what it's like to deal with family. One of the things that we observed in our vacation was we want time away. We want time to relax. And, but God always has us working. Ministry, it never stops. And, you know, the work that God has prepared for us, he also provides the endurance and the stamina to do so. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true that night that they came over? We were just having a regular conversation, talking about what, what's going on with our families you know, all the graduations with Caleb and with Nia and how kids are growing up so fast. I, mean, I think these are kind of conversations that everybody has at their family get-togethers. It's only Jesus. That's but, what I say. That's right. But it's, <laughs> you yes. You can see the light of Jesus. I love that. That's what it was. Let that be an encouragement. If you guys have family that you're still praying for, continue to pray for them. Mm-hmm. God Don't is, give up. That's right. That's right. Don't give up. Um that, that's the summary of our vacation, pretty much. And yes. if there's other things that come up yeah. you want to um, talk just about? Just be praying for my dad. Um, he's yeah. 
actually um, going through treatments. And without saying too much, he just needs a lot of prayer. Thank you for the prayers in advance. Absolutely. That, that's actually something that uh, I think was a blessing for our trip. I mean, God timed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. He knew when we needed to be there. Uh, so keep May's dad in prayer. Yes, absolutely. Um, anything else? We do have some questions. And as things come up from our vacation, I do want to share. Um, but we do have some questions that have been submitted. Let's get right to them. This one was specifically for the date day edition. So this one's from Sheila, the first one. Actually, she submitted two questions. That We'll get to the first one. Uh, it says this. I want to know the difference between gossiping versus confiding versus venting. Like I struggle with saying too much when I want, when, wait, I struggle with saying too much when I vent, I guess. I feel like I need to describe the circumstance in order for me to be able to really get my feelings across. Uh, So, Sheila, good question. And I think this is something we can both comment on. When it comes to our interaction with people, sweetie, one of the things that we're very, one of the things that we're very careful of that you and I keep in mind is, is we're not going to let people gossip. So just to be abundantly clear, gossip is sin. So we don't want to do that. I love that you ask. I want to know the difference between gossip and confiding and venting. Now, venting is one of those other buzzwords. We'll get, let me talk about this for a second. Uh, there is no biblical support for venting. Now, in my mind, venting is somebody just vomiting, just unloading, just filth coming out of their mouth. And, and some form of therapy, just saying these things because I need to get them off my chest kind of deal. There's no need for that. For a Christian, sweetie, isn't it true? We take these things to the Lord. We don't, we don't let people vomit or gossip or, or go on and on about things that are ungodly when they're talking with us. But confiding is, is a different thing. And maybe, sweetie, you could share a little bit about this. But Oh, okay. Well, um, everyone, like, well, from a, a Christian standpoint, of course, because um, we're, we're walking with the Lord, but if you, you're having struggles, my, my thing is, like, if you need, if, of course, you, t- you bring it to the Lord first, but if you need to talk to someone, I think that it needs to be, it, it actually has to be someone who is godly that you talk to because otherwise you're, it'll end up gossip or it'll end up like, I mean, being public, it shouldn't even be public knowledge if you're struggling with something. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe you should bring it to someone who you trust, um, one of the leaders or someone that uh, you can confide in that you know that loves the Lord and has your best interest at heart. And when you share, then um, you would want to make sure that it's for um, the intent to be built up mm-hmm. and encouraged and yeah. even corrected. And and that's, that's okay as long as it's um, for the glory of the Lord. And I think that um, it's not for the glory when it ends up gossip or it ends up just to to tear someone down. That's right. And um, sometimes it's like people will feel like they're in a lonely place if they feel like they have no one to talk to. And I, I thank God oh. for our church because someone can just call in. Um, someone in our body can just call in if they're struggling with something. And then they'll be hooked up with someone maybe to talk to you about it. And you yes. don't need to go share it with everybody else. Yeah, so unless, you know, I, I think that it's very touchy because you really, really have to have good judgment with that. Otherwise, it does easily turn to gossip. Oh, oh yeah. so easily. I mean, our flesh mm-hmm. just wants to take something and turn it into gossip. And I, I tell mm-hmm. people the best way to yeah. avoid that is just not to even deal with it at all. Yeah. If somebody's talking badly about other person, whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. But... 
Maybe you could expand on the vomiting part because that one, yes. even that one, I well, think the, needs clarification. Perfect, because uh, I think you mentioned that one of our favorite verses that we always use around the house, we remind the kids and everybody else is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I mean, this is like something that should be tattooed on our, our head. Well, actually, don't, do, don't, don't put a tattoo on your head with this verse, but you know what I mean. Figuratively, every word that comes out of our mouth, this is what Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 4, verse 29 says, every word that we speak should impart grace to the hearers, it should be words that are used to edify, to build up, not to tear down. And and Paul writing to the Ephesians there is very specific. It's it's every single word. Now, because of our flesh, I think we we realize that not all the words we use mm-hmm. build others up. But this is the biblical model for godly speech, godly encouraging talk for one another, between one another, between believers. So, yeah, you're right. When when we start talking with people and we sit down, we set up counseling sessions with them and a private conversation and they start to share their burdens, we want to give them godly counsel, not what we think, but what the Bible says. But, like you said, to... Once it gets to the point to where they're starting to just unload, and it's really not about the Lord anymore. It's just, I need to get this off my chest. I need to say this. That's when we stop them. That's the vomit and the venting that we just simply don't allow. Because that violates this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It violates Colossians chapter 3, where Paul writes to rid ourselves of all filthy language. I mean, that type of talk is just filth. So, you know, people get in their heads and they're into their feelings when they start talking and they start getting angry even uh, because of what somebody did to them um, or, or, or how they have been hurt and oppressed and, and, and over the years. And, and all that may be true, but we don't want to give people a a platform for them to just spew filthy words and filthy language. We want to give them a chance to let the Holy Spirit minister to their heart. And that's what I meant by vomiting and venting. Um, so uh, quickly to answer your question, uh, Sheila, that's, that's the way you tell the difference. Don't worry too much about uh, describing your circumstance. Uh, you don't need to give every single detail. And you don't to get your point across. You, usually, you just face value. Look, this is what's going on. I want to know what the Bible says about it. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. So I hope that helps, Sheila. Thank you for your question, sweetie. We have a phone call. Okay. So, Reuben from Seguin, you're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ken, and uh, to your wife. I believe uh, she said her name was May. Yes, my wife May is here uh, with me. Hi there, I, Ruben. <laughs> hi, May. I'm Ruben. I'm the guy that's been calling for years and years and years. <laughs> You're like part of our family, Ruben. <laughs> yeah, extended family. Um, I have a question for you, uh, and I'm, I need to hurry up because I'm. I tend to be a little bit long-winded in explanation explanations. Uh, basically, <laughs> over the weekend. I was invited to go minister through music and the word, um, and I hadn't done that in a long in a long time because of my my sickness, uh, and so I did. I did. Because uh, I, I, I just felt honored, and I knew these people, and they they just built a very beautiful church on the south side. I mean, it's a huge, huge church. So I was like, wow, you know, they went from very humble beginnings to a very big church. So anyways, afterwards, this uh, young lady came up to me, and uh, I've known through experience that if you're going to speak to a young lady to make sure that uh, you're not by yourself, that somebody, you know, somebody needs to be there, especially when it's a man. And so I told her, I said, just give me one second, and I pulled my friend Robert over, 
and then I got I got one of their church members who was a female to come over to just, just and she kind of like had this look on her face that did just I said just don't worry about just you know yeah so I started you know said well, well what can I do for you and then she just started saying how you know beautiful she loved the music and blah 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 and you know how talented I was and how she got touched and all that and I'm not gonna lie to you I felt as if she was flirting with me. Now she was a teen, okay? Okay. And that's exactly why I got these people to go around me. So uh, she asked me, she goes, can I ask you a question? She goes, what do you think about transgender teens? And I go, well, can you be specific? She goes, does God love them? And do you think it's okay for a transgender teen to come to church? And um, kind of caught me off guard, but I said, okay, I'll go on to answer your question. Number one, yes, uh, God loves them. Uh, but the lifestyle that they are living, no, uh, because it goes contrary to everything that, that the Bible says. Uh, and I can go specifically into what scriptures talk about, stuff like that. Um, and I go... I, I I I was trying to think. Okay, why is she asking me this, right? So, I said, um, "Well, how long have you been coming to church?" She goes, "I've been here for almost a year." I said, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." And then I told her, "I said, well, I go look. Bottom line is this: I said it is not right, and God did not make somebody um, who was a, who was assigned a boy at birth." and make a mistake and make them a female because that's what she told me. She goes, well, maybe God made a mistake. I said, no, God doesn't make mistakes. If you right. were born a female, you, I mean, if you were born a male, you're born a male. And that's when it dawned on me. This person was a transgender, um, boy. And I just, as I started looking like a little bit closer to her face, I could start seeing the facial features, how they represent a little bit of masculinity, but, you know, um, but I didn't say that. I said, no. And I kept telling her, no, no. And, and then she goes, so do you think I should, she goes, do you think, uh, you know, someone like, like me? And then after she said it, she goes, should stop coming to church. I said, no. I said, don't stop coming to church. I said, you need to get closer to God. But I said, your lifestyle has to Good. change. I said, your lifestyle has to change. And that's all I told her. Okay. So then left, left. I get a phone call today from that pastor demanding me uh, never to go to his church again um, and scolding me for what I told her. And I said, I go, Pastor, with all due respect, I go, you had, I had my best friend with me and also had one of your um, uh, deaconesses they have, I think that's what they're called, deaconesses. I said I called her to the conversation, so she heard exactly what I said. So basically what ended up happening was that girl, that guy ran away from home. And I I kind of feel bad because, well, I feel bad because uh, he said that I basically told him that he was a horrible person and that, you know. Hmm. But did you say that? Hell, but, no. Okay. I, those words never <laughs> right. came out of my mouth. Just making so, sure. Like, but, no, Ruben, no, we're no, we're no, inside no. of a, a couple of minutes for our break, so I, I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead and, and, and wrap it up, and then I'm going to – is there anything else to your question? No. No, I just wanted to see, did I do the right thing? Okay. Should I apologize to him? Because he is a pastor, but should I apologize to him? And I'll listen on the radio. Okay, Ruben, thank you for your call. Uh, so we are inside of just a couple of minutes here. I don't have enough time to give you a full answer, but a short answer would suffice, and then we'll continue on till after the break. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong, Stu, uh, Ruben. You did not do anything wrong. And so uh, if the pastor calls you and uh, is upset with you, then I think that speaks more about... Uh, how he is uh, leading his church. And again, I don't know the context of this conversation and I don't know who they are, but 
you did what was the loving thing. And it would be unloving for someone to tell this child, this teen, other, anything other than the truth. And we never have to apologize for telling people the truth. And so, Ruben, I, I hope that helps. This does bring up a few things that I really want to talk on. First of all, you're, uh, you, you don't need to go beyond. If they don't want you there, then don't go there. Uh, that's fine. You, you're not going to go into somebody's church and change their theology, but uh, this is a church you need to stay away from if, in fact, they're teaching this ideology. Um, but for your heart and for your peace of mind, uh, you did nothing wrong. In fact, what you did was the most loving thing you can do for somebody that needs to get saved. And if any other thing you would have said would have given them a chance of false hope. And so I want to elaborate more on that. Both May and I will speak and give you some more insight. But uh, Ruben, you did the right thing. So thank you for your heart. Well, you can hear the music, guys. That is the first half of the date day edition of For the Word to Stand On for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Date Day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken, and today I share the studio with my best friend, my dear wife, May, who's with me. Hello again. <laughs> that means this show continues like we normally do when Pastor Ron and Paula are here on the date day edition. We're here to take your questions, questions about the Bible, questions about how to put the Word of God into practice in your life. Basically, whatever we can do to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. And that's why we're here. So let me give you the phone numbers if you're just tuning in. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585-877-630-5757. That's the toll-free number. 877-630-5757. There's an email address, questions at calvarysa.com, so you can submit questions that way. All right, it's the date, the edition will continue. I really didn't have a chance to elaborate on Ruben's question but he called with an important one. And, and Ruben, first of all, I, I, I want to say thank you for, it's good to hear from you. And I'm, I'm especially encouraged that you were able to use your gift. I know you have the spiritual gift of, of music and music ministry. And to hear you, uh, to be able to use your gift and to encourage people is a great thing. So I'm glad that you called and told us about that. Now, this experience that you described at this uh, church, based on what you said and the interaction that you had with this teen, I want to reiterate, you did nothing wrong. In fact, what you did was what we should do whenever we have a conversation with somebody who is not saved. Now, the fact that this person was trans really doesn't change anything. You're right. We want people in church, we want people who are not saved to get saved, and and I think too often uh, some Christians they have this uh, extreme. Both extremes are wrong. Where they're uh, embracing of a sinful lifestyle, that's wrong, or where they're the complete opposite, where they get uh, repelled and grossed out, and and they feel like these are people who are broken, and that also is an ungodly response. And so your approach, uh, Reuben, to tell them that they are a sinner, just like all of us, that needs to get saved. And 
not only do we want them in church, we want them to to receive forgiveness for their sin. That requires them to say, I'm a sinner and I'm tired of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died for sinners. You died for me. Come and live in my heart and take over my life. And that's when real change takes place. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we don't have to apologize for t- sharing the truth. And and if this is a church that doesn't want you to share the truth, then go somewhere else. That really is all I can say. Do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, Judy? I just wanted to reiterate that, uh, Ruben, you were so on point with the way you dealt with that um, teen um, you, you only uh, pointed them towards the Bible, the Word of God, and to um, just love on them and and let them know that you're, they're welcome. Because I I b- truly believe that when when people come and even us, you know, when we hear the Word of God, when we fellowship in uh, a Bible believing church, um, I feel that God is able to change people and. Um, you know, even the lifestyle that in time, like the Lord can change that. And I just, I think yeah. people need to be encouraged to keep on coming. Uh, but as far as uh, your pastor, that pastor goes, um, if they didn't hear you out, then, and they just kicked you out, that just sounds really rough. And it doesn't sound like it's, it might, it might not be a right on church there. So I just right. encourage you to look for one or maybe you need to talk and be heard out. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Seek the Lord. That's right. No, no yeah. you're, you're right, sweetie, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned that last part because I, I did mention this before the break, but this is really important. Um, we're going to see more churches that compromise in their doctrine. Um, that's just the unfortunate truth. Uh, I I, I don't want it to happen. I, I want I want more pastors. We we need more pastors who are committed to teaching the Bible and to the uh, the authority of God's word. But the truth is, there are some pastors and some churches that are built on a very weak foundation that does not put the word of God as the authority, and as a result, you have. Uh, pastors who don't know how to deal with how to deal biblically with these things and and again I don't know this church and I'm not talking about them specifically but in general churches that don't put the word of God as the authority will conform to the things of this society the things of this culture and they will assimilate instead of be a light instead of illuminating the word of God and shining the light of the gospel into the hearts of sinners and giving them hope. Uh, what we're doing is giving them a false hope. And, well, it's just heartbreaking. We've been good for you, though, for standing up for the truth. Well, we don't have any other phone calls, so let's go on to our next question. We do have, uh, Sheila submitted another one. And this is for today's date day edition, uh, like this one. It, treating, in treating all kids equally, how do you feel, or is there anything in the Bible that teaches how to handle spending time with each kid individually? I understand that there shouldn't be any favoritism, but as parents, we all know all kids are not the same. I'll... I'll make a couple of points quickly, and then, sweetie, if you want to, you mm-hmm. can you sure. can chime in here. But you're right, Sheila. Uh, favoritism obviously is is a sin. Uh, James chapter two is clear. Favoritism is ungodly. It's not something that God does for us towards us, and therefore, since He doesn't show favoritism, we don't show favoritism towards people. The context there in James chapter two really has to do with material possessions and how people how people in the church are viewed. When somebody walks in with money, do you put them in a seat up at the front? Or if somebody is poor, uh, do you make them sit in the back? No, uh, because partiality or favoritism, this is not the way that God looks at us. Therefore, it should not be the way that we look at others. It is sin. 
plain and simple. Now, you already said that, Sheila, in your question, but I wanted to make that abundantly clear. Now, as parents, that's the context of your question here. You said what we, there shouldn't be any favoritism, but we uh, know all kids are not the same. You're right. You're right. Each child is different. And to to treat each child exactly the same as parents uh, would be a disservice because each one is individual. But let me be clear. Our love for them is the same. There is no partiality. And if you're a parent and you have children and there are uh there's children that you love less than others or children that you love more than others, then your heart's not right. Because, again, this is not the way that Jesus loves us. Now, the way that our love is manifested is different, but the love that we have for each child is the same. Because each child is different, we treat their personalities differently, but we don't deviate from the standard of God's word. I mean, this is Jesus's house, and so there are Jesus's rules, right, sweetie? Mm-hmm. And and if there is a violation of Jesus's rules, each child, no matter how different their personalities are, they receive the same discipline. But I think it's important that we we understand that children are different, and the way we interact with them is going to be different. The way we love them is the same, or the love we have for them is the same. But one thing we make abundantly clear in our home, and this is what parents should do, we teach our children that you need to have your own faith that teaches you obedience to your parents and obedience to Jesus is ultimately what we want you to leave home with. I mean, you have to have your own faith that you walk upon, a solid foundation in God's Word that we're going to release you eventually when you leave the house, and we're going to trust that you're going to have your own relationship with the Lord. But I, I think about Matthew chapter 21 and the parable of the two sons. Remember this one? We 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 talk about this in our house often. Jesus is speaking about the two sons. One obeys. Well, well, the father gives instructions to the two sons of what to do. One says, I'll do it. But he ends up disobeying and not doing it. The other one starts off by saying, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. But he's the one that ends up obeying. Now, both of these sons are loved by the father. But each one is going to benefit differently because of their obedience or disobedience. So, Sheila, I hope that makes sense. Sweetie, did you want to elaborate or add to that? Um, I think I know what the question is. Can you reiterate? Yes, I'm sorry. Let me read it again. It says, in treating kids equally, uh, in treating all kids equally, how do you feel? Or is there anything in the Bible that teaches how to handle spending time with each kid individually? I understand that there shouldn't be any favoritism. But as parents, we all know that all kids are not the same. Okay. What stuck out there is the spending time part. And um, when you have multiple kids, it's it gets a little difficult to spend, like, quality time individually. <laughs> yeah. And uh, honestly, like, I feel like, like you said it earlier, each child is different. So then if you feel out your kid and they just need a little more time, especially with if it's like they're struggling at school or those kind of things, they might need a little more attention. And I think that, like... The Holy Spirit is our guide with that one. That's right. I know with our kids, all of them are really different. Um, Most of them are self-sufficient, so I have to, like, intrude in their lives kind of thing, (laughs) Feel that feeling. But um, also, like, we have one, Milani, where she's more hands-on and, like, with her homework and things like that, we might have to, you know, really just uh, encourage her. That's right. So then we might need to spend more time with her. But I feel like... um, as if the two parents are loving on them, they love mm-hmm. them equally. Um, they're able to notice when they're thriving and when they're not. That's right. And then be able to address those needs accordingly. And honestly, like some of them are just not as needy, and yeah. some are, and some benefit. I, I think they all can benefit from quality time. Yes. Um, with their parents, 
or alone with their each parent. But um, it's important that they feel loved, and I I think that that's really important that they know that they're loved, so that they won't try to get love elsewhere. That oh, that's right. You know, I think that, that's the most important. That's that's true. You, you bring up a couple of good points that I want to elaborate on. So the spending time part of this is. Isn't it true that the, the, in, the different personalities of kids, and I'll just use ours as an example. You brought them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we have some that are, you know, affectionate and physical touch is their love <laughs> style. And we have some that are less uh, yeah. uh, physical touch. And I love how you said, you know, sometimes we just need to intrude a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I we do that. Get, we need to get in there and, and, and get our hug and love and <laughs> And to others, there's, there's some that are like, we, we need to just get them off of us. Uh, uh-huh. Well, you know, after, after some period of time. But I love that because they're just different. And that doesn't mean we favor one or the other. Uh, it just means that the way that we love them and that we spend time with them is, is really uh, as it's different for each situation. Like, for example... You know, Milani being our youngest, mm-hmm. who, by the way, just celebrated her 11th birthday. Yes, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, she's she's little. She's our youngest, but she's not little. And she's little in our hearts. But she's growing. And we she's very affectionate. Mm-hmm. She loves to, to hug, and she loves to hug her sisters. And um, she's different than the other she's, sisters. She's easygoing. Yes. She's like, she doesn't mix the pot much. Yes. <laughs> so like, yeah. uh, she doesn't ask for much and I, I did mention it before, but she's, she's pretty low maintenance too. So she usually gets what she wants because she hardly wants anything. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's our joke to the other girls because, uh, so we always say like, she gets whatever she wants. <laughs> high maintenance. She's low maintenance. But, but, uh, what we mean, though, is that the, the, it's going to be different, and I love that because it, the other girls know. It doesn't mean that we love one more than the other. It doesn't mean that there's favoritism, but when it comes to spending time, we want to spend time with all of them, mm-hmm. and some are busier than others, but just because um, we spend one more, t- a little bit more time with one child in a, you know, during a particular season uh, doesn't mean that we love them more. It's just the nature of the schedule at the moment mm-hmm. and our children. Children that are loved understand that. They do. Um, and one thing I do want to mention, Sheila, which is tangentially related to this question, but when it comes to parenting, uh, we've got to fight our flesh that wants to spend more time with the child that is easiest and spend less time with the child that is a little bit more high maintenance. Sometimes children, they grow up with a personality that that rubs us the wrong way as parents. Maybe they're so much like us that we can't stand being around them because we butt heads with them. Now, that's not the case in, in our house, but this is something that's common in in a lot of homes. Well, I take the back. I mean, there's personalities that come up in our house that are sometimes the same. And yeah, there's things that we got to deal with. <laughs> but this is a normal thing. It's a normal thing. But what you don't want to do as parents is favor or spend more time or love, have a greater love for the child that is... Uh, one that you get along with the most or one that's easygoing uh, because that's ungodly. That's the type of behavior from parents that raises kids with a misunderstanding of what God's love is. As adults, um, isn't it true, sweetie, we meet, we meet uh, people and sit with people that have, as adults, all kinds of issues because they don't understand uh, what God's love really means for them because in their minds they have a a, a skewed love from their parents an example that they were the ones that was ignored while their sibling was the one that was the favorite and that scars people Mm -hmm. 
It's. I think that it's hard to get over the past, but when when you get saved and when you get to know Jesus, like you, all you know is Him as the perfect Father, and no one else is is quite like Him. You know. Absolutely. So then it kind of takes the pressure off. You know, the, the past, like as oh. far as you know, needing your past to be perfect because it's not. You know, I don't think any of our pasts is perfect with parents but you know they do the best like some of them have done the best they could yeah and that's still not perfect because only christ is perfect and and i love that because all of us you know when we're born again second corinthians chapter five the old is gone and the new has come Mm -hmm. not only does it mean my sin has been forgiven but it means all of the things that have been done to us in the past the pain uh, the mean things that people have done. Maybe there's some things in our upbringing that were not fair. Well, even those things, God says, that's the past. And the old is gone. And the new has come. And so, uh, you know, you bring up fathers and it, it was, was just, just Father's yeah, Day. yeah, it was just Father's Day. You know, Father's Day is one of those days where we we have a biblical example of what a godly father should be like. I mean, we have a father in heaven mm-hmm. who who his character and his nature, as the word describes him, gives us a picture of how perfect our father is. And the immediate thing is to try to compare that to our earthly experience. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, they say, well, I, I've been so hurt in the past that I, I, I look at a heavenly father and I just don't get it because that's not my experience. Yeah. And I, I honestly have a lot of compassion for people who have grown up in, in rough households or, you know, even without parenting or didn't have the role model. But yeah, God wants us now that we're mm-hmm. saved, like God wants us to look to him. You know, as That's the example, right. so that we, even if like we're parents now, now we can follow his example and and try the best we can to aim for per- perfection. Yeah, um, and and be Christ-like in our in our uh, uh, bringing up our kids. So it's that's uh, yeah, yesterday actually brings up uh, a question that was from yesterday. Um, Phil is called at the very end of the show, and she asked this question about. Hiel in First Kings sixteen, and basically the the gist of it was that Hiel is somebody that insisted on rebuilding Jericho, and because he did what God said don't do, mm-hmm. he he what he did because God said do not rebuild Jericho. Do not rebuild Jericho because this place is going to be judged and never to be rebuilt again. Well, Hiel comes along under Ahab's um, reign and says I'm going to do it. And I'm going to insist on doing it. Well, when parents insist on being disobedient to the Lord, there's consequences to that. And Hiel's son, both his son, his sons, the, the eldest, in fact, this is what Joshua 6 said, specifically, your eldest son is going to die, your firstborn, and your youngest son is going to die if you try to rebuild Jericho. And... That's exactly what Hyle does, and his sons die. And one of the things, and the reason why I bring that up is because the the way we as parents live our lives, no matter what we say, if it contradicts the Word of God, it, our kids are going to grow up with uh, scarred. Are going to grow now in Christ that it can all be renewed. And I love that how you bring that up. But but parents, you know, especially those that uh, profess to be Christians, if we act differently in church than we do at home, uh, we can't be surprised when our kids grow up and they act just like us. Hmm. We are just inside three minutes for the rest of this date day edition, so we don't have time to take any calls. But um, I do want to spend a couple of minutes, maybe just the last couple of minutes elaborating on this. Do you have any other thoughts? Um, yeah, I've been reading in Hebrews about um, the faith, faith and faith in action. And um, I concluded 
with my reading because I've been in 11, 12, and 13, mm. um, that in Hebrews 12, 3, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. That one, and Hebrews twelve twenty five. let me read that. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And the way I read this is kind of in a loving way. <laughs> it sounds yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so the Lord has been um, speaking to me about faith and faith in action and just not turning away, not refusing his words, and his words meaning the, the word of God. So when he corrects us on things, when he tells us and teaches us, how to be and um, specifically applying to to being uh, a good parent, mm-hmm. then we ought to put that faith in action and not turn away. I love that. I, I, what a perfect way to close out the show. We're we're just inside one minute, and so uh, Hebrews twelve twenty five. Uh, uh, take heed to what God God is the one that's speaking there, mm-hmm. but take heed to what He says. That means listen to what He says and do it. It reminds me of. Uh, John chapter 2 at the wedding at Cana, and Mary says, hey, do whatever he says. Yep. <laughs> do whatever, when talking about Jesus, <laughs> like you got to listen to what he says and then just do it. If we as parents do that, our children will follow the example. Absolutely. Well, sweetie, it's been fun having you on the date day edition. Yes, it's been great. <laughs> we, See you next week. We get to do it again next week, yes. <laughs> My name is Pastor Ken. And you have been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. We will be back here on the radio. At least I will be back here on the radio tomorrow at 4 o'clock. We'll see you then. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4 And Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.